Welcome, everybody. Good morning. Glad to have you online. If you're watching us there, if you're hanging out in Pewaukee, hello to our friends in Pewaukee. In case we haven't met, my name's John. I'm one of the pastors here. And I spend a lot of my time working with our outreach partners and in our care ministries. And today we're going to wrap up our series called GOAT. It stands for the greatest of all time. And over the last four weeks, we've been looking at Psalm 23. Now, Psalm 23 is one of the greatest pieces of literature ever written. It's been translated, it's been quoted, it's been relied upon by millions of people for over thousands of years, and it has brought them comfort. But Psalm 23 is the, the scripture that's the piece of literature it's in the Bible that I have relied on the most as I help people walking through tough times. And the key to claiming the promises of Psalm 23 for yourself, it's found in the first five words. The first five words of the psalm simply are, the Lord is my shepherd. We've got to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Not, not I hope the Lord is my shepherd, or someday the Lord is going to be my shepherd. But, but the promises in Psalm 23 are for those who say, the Lord is my shepherd. And as we go through the message today, as we look at the psalm a little bit deeper, if you've never said, the Lord is my shepherd, I want to encourage you to open up your hearts and your mind and just listen to God speak to you so maybe you'll be in the position to claim the truths and the promises in Psalm 23. Well, each week we've started out reading the psalm together, and we're going to do that this morning. And the reason why it's so important to do that is if we can internalize, if we can memorize this piece of scripture, this piece of wisdom, it's there, it's available when we're faced with tough, tough times. And that's why Ben has encouraged all of us to read it a couple times a day. So we're going to read it together. We'll find a cadence. We'll go nice and easy through it, but let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of no, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, the opening images of Psalm 23, they're just so serene and peaceful, and it's just this wonderful, comforting scene. Think about your favorite place in nature. Maybe it's at the, in the woods. Maybe it's in the mountains. Maybe it's at the, le at the lake. And just think of the peace and the stillness and the quiet, the rest that you find there. Psalm 23, in a sense, it reminds me of those motivational pictures that we see. You know, those pictures where they show a lush green golf course and, and the word underneath is opportunity. And it feels like we could just start Psalm 23 with a bunch of those posters. And so we've got some. You've got the shepherd and the sheep. And, and the scene is just so serene. And you can just feel the peace. And then we go on, and, and there's the green pastures. And, and God said, I'll lead you to green pastures. And, and you can rest. And then we go to the still waters, the quiet, the beauty. It, it just refreshes ourselves mentally and physically, emotionally. And then we find this path, it's direction. And we all want to be on the right path because being on the right path is so important. And it's no wonder that Psalm 23 is the greatest of all time because who doesn't want these kinds of images to shape about the way we think about God and the way that we want to think about life. And then we think of to ourselves, if this is my setting, if this is how my relationship with God is going to play out, then for sure 
the Lord is my shepherd because I want this. But then we go into the valleys, and we probably don't need any more valleys after the last 16 months. Where's the motivational poster for that? Right? We got this dead skull, and, and we're in the valley, and it's arid, it's dry, there's no life, and it's just death. Now, that's quite the switch from the first images we showed. And suddenly, there's no more green pastures. We're not lying down anymore. We're, we're walking, and we're walking through this valley. We're walking through this shadow valley where death is. And if that's not bad enough, the next verse, David says, he's preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And now maybe you're thinking, wait, wait, wait a minute. Who invited the enemies and how did that happen? Where did they come from? And so we end up with this motivational post picture, right? We are surrounded by our enemies. Cats are people too. I don't hate cats. I'm allergic to them. They make me sick. Therefore, cats are enemies. No emails, please. But what we all need to understand and think about this morning is it's two words. Ben talked about it. It's even though. Because even though it's going to happen, because there's valleys out there, and even though that's where everything changes, now there's a th clear threat that, that surrounds us, there's darkness around us, and I'm guessing that most of us have lived long enough when changes like that happen, we're, we're not surprised. For the last 16 months, collectively, all of us have lived through an even though period. Friday the 13th, March 2020, will be the most famous Friday the 13th forever. That is the day the coronavirus shut down the world. And in a blink of an eye, snap of the fingers, we went from green pastures and we were lying down. And then we went to the shadow valley. And now we're surrounded by our enemies. And, and suddenly everything in life, it got all enemy-like, it got all crazy, it, it got all chaotic. And that's how life is. If you live long enough, you know that these great July days, that they are going to turn into dark clouds. Maybe in March of 2020, maybe your life was just cruising along. You were doing great in your job. Your relationships were awesome. You're doing excellent in school, and, and you've got success, and you've got money. And then suddenly, everything changes. Where you were in life, it changed. Because the virus came out of nowhere, there was no warning. You may not have gotten sick, but maybe your job disappeared. Or, or, or maybe, maybe a loved one left. There was depression. I know how I felt, how depressed I would feel at, at times during the last 16 months. Maybe you fell off the wagon. Maybe you felt abandoned. And, and life doesn't look the same after that happened. The path you were on, right, that direction, now it's not so clear because the still waters, the green pastures, they're, they're not around right now. And so that's maybe where you find yourself today. You're struggling because you remember, we remember what the blue skies look like in those green pastures when life was good. But now we're in the valley and darkness has overtaken us. And the truth is where we are in life can change and it will change. And that's why Psalm 23 is so important. There's a big change in Psalm 23 that I want to talk about. Ben mentioned it last week, but I want to spend a little bit of time on it because what happens is David starts off the psalm and he's talking about the shepherd. He's talking about the shepherd in the third person. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me. 
He leads me. He refreshes me. He guides me. And David is talking about he. He's talking about him. And that's the third person. And then we get to the valley. And David says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He says, you are with me. Did you catch that switch? And suddenly, we get into the valley and we go from the third person to the second person. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. And if now is one of those times and it's dark out there and you're surrounded by enemies and you feel as if you're in the valley, Ben encouraged us. He said, go from thinking about God somewhere out there to God next to you in the valley together. We're no longer alone, and we have direct communication. In verse 4, the darkness in the valley, it's closing in, but, but here's what's important. David's talking to the shepherd. We're not listening to David tell us about God anymore. David is having an intimate conversation, and we are listening to it. David and God, they're close enough to walk where the path is rough, the darkness is thick, and the enemies are all around. And the shepherd, he's drawing close to his sheep. He's in the valley with them. He is a God who walks right alongside us in the valley. That's the shepherd. That's why it's so important to be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, because he's preparing. He's the one preparing this table. Notice the confidence that David has in Psalm 23. Check out his confidence in the shepherd. David's life has been filled with watching God show up for him time after time after time again. David is just this little boy. He is a shepherd out in the field. And the lion comes and the lion wants lamb for lunch. And David, with the power of God, kills the lion. Then the bear comes and the bear's looking for lamb chops. And God gives him the power to deal with that. And then David grows up and he becomes this great warrior and God gives him strength time and time again in the Bible. In the book of Kings, we read about how Saul, Saul's the first king, it says Saul kills his thousands, but David kills his ten thousands. And then, of course, there's a time that David took out Goliath. David's family, David's family was so dysfunctional, it would make the Kardashians look normal. We all got a little Kardashian in us. But through all of that time, God has been there with them. And now David's writing this towards the end of his life. And so he can look back and he can point and see what the shepherd has done. He knows that whatever happens, God is going to be close and God is going to win. And he's talking to the shepherd right now. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The challenge for us as sheep is when uncomfortable things happen to us, when life changes, we immediately feel ill-equipped for what's coming next. And David is saying, though, e even though, even though I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff comfort me. And then David writes on in verse 5, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And so we've got the rod and the staff and we've got the valley and he's with us and we've got the second person thing and we know that he's our shepherd. But why are there enemies? 
In verse 5, there's three, three images that, that I want to highlight because as we get into the next verse, there is this table that is set at this large banquet table. And I know we've gone through the psalm a number of times, but it says, he prepares, not you prepare. As in David's talking to God and David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And now this table, it's not for anybody else. This table is for me. It is my table. My wife, Kelly, and her family, they're, they're foodies. And my brother-in-law is a, a gourmet chef. And we have a tradition. A couple of days before Christmas, we put together an event, and we call it Fancy Feast. It has nothing to do with cat food. But instead of buying gifts for one another, what we do is we purchase all sorts of exotic, extravagant food that we normally wouldn't purchase. And so we do this Fancy Feast. We start... You know, it starts about 1 o'clock, and it goes all day long, late into the evening. There's amazing entree after amazing entree. It, it starts with the table. We prepare this table. And, and then we move on. Here's a couple of courses from two years ago. We started out with these meatballs, and then we had these organic peppers that were served with that. And a little while later, we spaced this out. This is an all-in-one sitting. A little while later, we move on to paella, paella and then, then there's salad. But who needs to see a picture of a salad, Right? Then we move on. Look at the pan-seared scallops. I did those. And then uh, a little bit later after that, everybody got a half a lobster tail, and we served that with, with French onion soup, and we are not done because now it's only about 8 o'clock. So about 10 o'clock, out of the oven comes this bacon-wrapped beef tenderloin. We serve that along with some twice-baked potatoes, and it is a feast. We do it for ourselves, and we prepare the table. Now, what I want to do is I want, I want you to look at the feast this way. I want you to think about all that good food. It's not prepared by Kelly and her family. It's not prepared by your friends and your family. It's prepared by the Lord, the creators of the heavens and the earth, your Lord, your Father in heaven, and you are the focus of the feast. And as we look at the language that David uses, God set the table himself he didn't hire a caterer. He didn't use servants. He didn't bring anyone else in to do it. He prepared this table for you. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And so out there in Death Valley, all they can do is watch as the Lord, our shepherd, prepares this meal for us and the sheep are not in danger. It's almost as if the shepherd is saying, hey, hey, all you enemies of my sheep, I am such a strong shepherd. I can lead my sheep to green pastures and they will rest and they will not be afraid. I can prepare a banquet right here in front of you and we are going to eat it while you watch and you cannot do anything to them. No harm will come to them. Well, the next line David writes, you anoint my head with oil. Okay, so what's that about, right? When a guest would come in, the host would make sure that the servants washed their feet. And, and, and this is very important when you had guests. Remember the time at the Last Supper when Jesus was there and no one washed the feast? Jesus himself got up and watched, washed their feast. So not only when the honored guests would come in, not only would they get their feet washed, but they would also get 
their head anointed with this oil. And I know this doesn't make sense to us, but that's what they did. It's kind of like maybe it's graduation season and maybe you just recently graduated or you know a graduate or you went to a graduation. The thing you notice as soon as you're in the auditorium, the graduates are all wearing caps and gowns and that's to set them apart. It says that these are the people being honored today. These are the people being celebrated. So this anointing, It's not the servant who's going to do it. So in our case, it's the Lord, and the Lord is going to anoint us. And this anointing, it it marks the person. You're being set aside. It's a blessing. It's a promise, prosperity, and it offers protection. It's It's as if to say the Lord is saying, this is my honored guest, and I want to make sure that everybody knows that we're honoring and celebrating them today. And I'll think about this because probably over the last 16 months, you might have felt insignificant. You're just thinking like, I'm a sheep. But in this moment, God is saying, no, 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 please, no. He's saying, you mean everything to me. You are my honored guest. And I love how David puts this together. And what I mean by that is in the first four verses, he's talking about the shepherd and nothing about the sheep. Excuse me. It's all about the shepherd. And the sheep are insignificant in the first four verses. But once the dark valley hits and once the enemies show up, David says, hey, hey, don't worry. The shepherd wants you to know that you're really important. And David knows something a little bit about feeling insignificant and, and, and being anointed. There's a whole backstory that you can find in 1 Samuel 16. <clears throat> God appears to Samuel, and he tells Samuel that I'm done with Saul. Saul's the first king, and he says, I want you to go anoint the next king. The next king is going to come from the family of Jesse. So Samuel packs up, and he goes to Jesse's house, and he says, Jesse, bring your boys out because the next king is going to be one of them. And so Jesse brings out all of his sons except for one. David is so insignificant. He's out in the field. They don't even think to bring David. And and, and so Samuel, he pulls out his horn and his anointing horn. I have mine from Hobby Lobby. But David, right, Samuel wants to anoint one of the boys. And and Samuel says, it's not any of these. Then he says to Jesse, do you have any more sons? And Jesse's like, well, there's little David. He's out in the field. It, it, It couldn't be him, could it? Samuel says, I I don't know. Bring him in and let's ask God. And they bring David in. And and David says, yes, this is the one. So Samuel takes the horn. He anoints him with oil in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord stays on David from that moment forward. You might think that you're insignificant. No one sees you. No one hears you. That you failed? You think that all, anybody, including God, all they see is is your failures and your flaws and your shortcomings. And you feel like that insignificant kid out in the field. But it's important to know that the Bible is filled with people failing and feeling insignificant. And over and over again, we see God pour his love out on them. And God sees them and God uses him and God sees you and God will use you. And not only does he see you, But he favors you, and he anoints you with oil in the presence of your enemies. And that's why this scripture, it's the greatest of all time, because we have all of these promises in Psalm 23, plus the promises for all of eternity. 
Now, there's another thing about this oil thing. I didn't know a lot about sheep before this, but sheep would get bugs and insects in their nose. And so what the shepherd would do, he would, he would put oil underneath the noses to stop that from happening. Because if he didn't, the sheep would just constantly twitch and they would never get any rest. And, and then sheep, we learned that they're dumb. Sheep wander off and they get themselves in all sorts of trouble. And, and what would happen is they would get their faces cut up and scratched up. And, and so the shepherd would use the oil for medicinal purposes as well. And so we can look at this oil and we can look at it as a way to calm us and to provide us rest and a way to heal us and a way to bring us comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Now, the overflowing cup, that, that one's kind of obvious. It, it, it means it's full. It's just a little too full. Here's a little perspective, Right? Look, at that's a full cup, right? And now it's just a little full. It's a little too full. And, and it's overfull because sometimes when it's full, it's even overflowing. And then we get to John 10.10. Jesus is talking about being the shepherd. And I know you might not feel like you have everything you need, but Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. Maybe you're in a valley. And maybe life is filled with worry. Maybe you're looking for something solid and something settling in the middle of the chaos of your life. And I understand that. Maybe fear, like we've all felt fear, but maybe fear has hijacked your emotions and they're running wild. And I get that. And that's where Psalm 23 comes in because David is saying, listen, listen, if the Lord is your shepherd, if you can say the Lord is my shepherd, peace and comfort are available for you now and all of eternity. In the next verse, it says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Remember when Jesus told his disciples, he said, I've got to go. They didn't understand what he was talking about, but Jesus said, I've got to go. I've got to go to my father's house because in his house there are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. That's the promise of eternity. Even if you're in a dark place, especially if you're in a dark place, you gotta stay close to the shepherd because this is how it works. You gotta say, the Lord is my shepherd. And so I want to invite you right now. We're going to take communion in a few minutes. If you're watching online and you want to go get some Gatorade or some juice, some crackers, whatever you have at home, if you haven't grabbed communion, you, you can grab some communion right there. But what I want to do before we take communion together, I, I really want to tie Psalm 23 in the table. I want to tie it into the Lord's table. It's what we call communion time. Because in the middle of the darkest valley, Jesus' darkest valley, when he was in the shadow of death, there was a table. There was a table where a meal had been prepared in the presence of his enemy. Now think about Jesus. Jesus knows that he is number one on the most wanted list. He knows they're coming for him. Literally, Judas is at the table. Talk about in the presence of my enemies. Talk about the valley of the shadow of death. But yet the Spirit of God gave Jesus the, Jesus the power to go through it. And he'll do that for you too. We do communion every week at River Glen because we want to remember this time. 
So even if you're at a place right now where you're not exactly sure where your relationship with God is and you're not sure what's coming next, you're not where you want to be and, and it feels dark all around you, the shepherd's close. Anywhere God chooses can be a place of blessing, even in the valleys. God's not threatened by the armies surrounding you in the valley. This isn't the first storm he's faced. He's still God in the presence of evil, in the middle of the darkness, in the face of your enemies. He's leading you, he's loving you, and he's capable of helping you through whatever you're going through. God says, none of those threats coming at you are going to prevent me from being your shepherd. Those enemies, they can't stop my sheep in the pastures from feeling rest. It's a place of peace. So let's do this together. Let's just take a little bit of bread and remember my body. Jesus says this was broken for you. Let's take the bread. And then Jesus said, take this cup because it's overflowing. It's overflowing because it represents the blood that was shed for you to forgive all your sins. Drink and remember me. Why did he do that? Why did he tell us to do that even when the path is dark and the enemies are all around why did the early church take communion every week? I don't know about you, but it seems I run into dark valleys and in, in, into enemies just about every week. And I need a weekly reminder, even though, even though he is still with me and, and he is my shepherd, my cup overflows. And then the hope in verse 6, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's why we need to get together weekly to remind ourselves of the truth of Psalm 23, the greatest scripture of all time. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you just be with us right now. There might be some people who haven't had communion in a long time, or, or, or maybe they never have. I just pray that this is a defining day in their life, that this is a day where they said, you know what, Jesus, I need you to be my shepherd. I want you to be my shepherd. Let communion today, Lord, be my way of saying, yes, I need you. Yes, I want you. And from all of us, Lord, thank you for this great piece of scripture that we have this weekly reminder in communion. And thank you that even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it, our cup overflows. And when we drink from it, it's never gonna be empty because you're just gonna fill it back up again because that is who you are. As we leave today, God, remind us that you're our shepherd, that you make us lie down, that you lead us, you refresh us, you restore us, you guide us. And Lord, we thank you because we can look forward to the day where we will dwell in your house forever. It's in your name I pray, amen.